You are listening to KNNALP 95.7 FM, Lincoln, Nebraska. Welcome once again to Equipping the Saints. Pastor Clint Poppy, Pastor Adam Oline, Vicar Noah Kirstein. We serve the Saints at Good Shepherd Lutheran Church in Lincoln, Nebraska. Thanks for tuning in. Over the last several episodes of Equipping the Saints, we've been working our way through the Epistle of James, uh, just a marvelous, marvelous little book, uh, one that uh, Lutherans far too often shy away from, and uh, we've, we've been working through it uh, pretty slowly, uh, especially the first couple of chapters, and examining it in uh, in light of other parts of scripture in light of the lutheran confessions and it is a marvelous lutheran book and it fits in very well with the purpose of equipping the saints encouraging christians who are justified freely by the life death and resurrection of jesus who are forgiven and free encouraging them and exhorting them to live like a christian encouraging them and exhorting them to live holy lives according to God's word. And that is truly a Lutheran teaching, and in that respect, it is truly a Lutheran book. Comment on that, Pastor? I agree. I thank you. I thank you. I didn't pay him for that either. Um, we, uh, we've been working most recently through chapter 4, and we want to finish up chapter 4 today. In our uh, previous episode, uh, which was episode 60, this is episode 61, in our previous episode, we began looking at the section James 4, 11 through 17. That's 11 through the end of the chapter. Uh, 11 and 12 uh, kind of stand apart in this section, and then 13 through 17 is kind of another little unit there. We spent uh, episode 60 looking at verses 11 and 12. It was a uh, very salutary study, and now we want to finish up the chapter. Many English translations uh, will have a subtitle that will talk about um, end times, um, boasting, or boasting uh, uh, on or about tomorrow. Vicar, do you want to read uh, the whole section there beginning in verse 11 through the end of the chapter? Do not speak evil against one another, brothers. The one who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks evil against the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is only one lawgiver and judge, he who is able to save and to destroy. But who are you to judge your neighbor? Come now, you who say, Today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town, and spend a year there, and trade, and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time, and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, If the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is a sin. Okay, we're, we're continuing uh, a warning section you know, Pastor James uh, warning his congregation and all Christians about certain aspects of worldliness that creep into the faith. 
the, uh, the devil, the world, and our flesh are constantly attacking the Christian, uh, trying to wrest us out of the safety and security of the church, of the faith, of the nail-scarred hands of Jesus. And in our uh, episode last week, we, we talked sp- how judging and setting ourselves up as judge and jury uh, is a uh, horrific sin, uh, basically claiming that we are God and not uh, letting God be God or listening to his word. At the very end, we are reminded who God is. There's only one lawgiver and judge. He is able to save and to destroy. Uh, so for that reason, we are not to judge our neighbors. And now right on the heels of that, we're talking about how we approach life, how we approach the future, how we approach planning, how we approach the end of the world. And uh, I think I hear this a lot with, uh, with Christians. Uh, we hear a lot of Christians talking about um, retirement, and uh, Vic- Vicar preached a, uh, a marvelous sermon. You can check it out on our uh, church uh, uh, archives, uh, the YouTube uh, service and all that, for uh, St. Barnabas, and uh, uh, a wonderful sermon on uh, the sin of greed and worldliness. And he had a line in there that I thought was uh, not only because of my present circumstances, but uh, just as I thought about being a pastor for the last 40 years, he said something to the effect of, I'm going to quote you, Vicar. Okay. okay. You should see the look on his dun, face like dun, right now. Dun. He has this look of uh, excitement and panic, all, we, all woven into one. He said something to the effect of, most people look forward more to their day of retirement than they do for Christ's return. How did I do with the quote, Vicar? Pretty close, yeah. Yes, and uh, it struck me, not only personally, but it struck me, I have seen this. I have witnessed this. I have experienced this in so many people. They just can't wait to retire. They just can't wait to retire. And then they retire and they get sick and they die. Or they retire and they have no hobby, so they're bored. Or they retire and they completely forsake the church because now they're so busy with all their retirement fund. And how this aspect of worldliness creeps in and attacks the faith. Um, Pastor, you haven't been known as quite as long as me. Have you witnessed this as well? Uh, yeah, it, it's definitely a, a sad state of affairs that we are more eager for earthly things than we are for what our Lord promises. Even, this is going to sound weird, <clears throat> Shouldn't a Christian be more eager for their death and going to be with Christ than they are for some sort of worldly accomplishment or activity? Um, or a miracle it, cure to keep them alive longer. Right, right. <laughs> I mean, um, this world is not our hope. It's not 
um, our end. Our end is with Christ, and it is really not an end in that sense as well. And if we fear, love, and trust in God above all things, um, then these issues are correct. But the the truth is we don't. We fear uh, about our retirement. We love our retirement. We trust in our retirement or whatever it is more than we do God. And this is a way of demonstrating that clearly. And, and uh, this is the specific, you know, thinking about tomorrow. That's why we're bringing up retirement here. But it can be anything. It can be anything. Anything that we trust in more than we trust in God. That's the whole aspect of these warnings that James is giving the Christian against being too close too familiar, too much in love with the world. And we've had several different aspects of that. Uh, it can be our job. It can be our family. It can be our house. It can be our uh, uh, sports team. It can be anything, our politics. It can be anything, anything of worldliness that creeps in and pushes God off of the throne where God alone be- belongs. We are to fear, love, and trust in God above all things. Pastor, verse 13. Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow, we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. It sounds to me like that's godly vocation. What is wrong with saying, Eh, come now, let's go into such and such a town, and uh, yeah, we'll we'll spend a year there, and uh, we'll make a profit. What's wrong with that? Well, um, the the place where your vision is set in that uh, is really what the issue is. Uh, are you looking for reward here today, or are you looking for your reward in Christ in the world that is to come? And so. As I read this particular section going from this point forward and then think about the entirety of the book, it really reminds me of two different places in Luke's gospel. Uh, It reminds me of Luke chapter 12 where Jesus tells the parable about the man with the bumper crop who says, I'll tear down my barns and build Build bigger ones. bigger barns, yep. And it makes me think also of the rich man and Lazarus. The rich man who had everything except for faith and Lazarus who had nothing ex- uh, but faith and uh, the comparison there. And you see then in those two parables, knowing that James has probably heard those and is now a pastor, when you read these words and you're talking about someone who is living for today to gain more for themselves here and now without faith that looks towards Christ or love towards a neighbor. That's the issue. I was, uh, I was thinking also of the Gospel of Luke, but I was thinking of chapter 15 and the parable of the prodigal son and how the prodigal son thought he had better words, thought he had better ideas, thought he had better plans than his father. He wants his, he wants his inheritance, his retirement, early. You know, and how many times haven't people joked, oh, yeah, I wish I could have retired when I was young and had more energy to enjoy it, you know, that kind of a thing. So he goes out and he squanders his inheritance and all of a sudden realizes that uh, he's had the wrong God and that he can't eat and he has squandered everything. When we are in love with the world, the world dictates to us 
what's important. And here, this uh, this young man who is making plans, I think on one level, there's nothing wrong, you know, with planning for the future and where I'm going to work and making a profit on one level. The part is, and we'll see this as it plays out a little bit later, the problem is he's doing this apart from what God wants him to do, apart from what God has given him in his vocation, um, his vocation as a baptized child of God, his vocation as maybe a husband or a father or a member of a local congregation, that kind of a thing. Yeah. Am, I, uh, am I stating that too strongly, Pastor? It's apart from faith, and I, I, maybe I don't, we don't have time, I don't know. It's interesting looking at this verse in the Greek, uh, 13 uh, reflects in form 5 verse 1, because it says, come now you who are saying, and 5 verse 1 says, come now you rich. And so you see here how this is really what the problem is. This, this is who James is addressing, the rich members in his congregation who are more in love with their money and themselves than with Christ, and thereby they're not serving the people that Christ has placed into their life the way they ought to. What, uh, what I want to discuss when we come back from our break, Pastor, is the dilemma that people have oftentimes when their job offers them a transfer to a different part of the country, to a different community, when um, maybe a, a romance, you know, maybe a young vicar is uh, madly in love with someone who doesn't live where he lives, and, you know, should I stay or should I go or should I seek a call somewhere close? These kind of situations where Christians often find themselves in and are called to make decisions, sometimes can be literally life-changing decisions, and sometimes they use the wrong criteria for those decisions. Are you following what, uh, what I'm setting up there, Pastor? Sure. Okay. We are going to take our first break. This is Equipping the Saints. We're looking at James chapter 4. We'll be right back. You are listening to KNNALP 95.7 FM, Lincoln, Nebraska. Welcome back to Equipping the Saints. This is episode 61. We're looking specifically at James chapter 13 through the end of the chapter. Uh, let's get those verses fresh in our brain, Vicar. Do you want to read 13 through 17? Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. We have here this, uh, this section, and it really needs to be read 
just as Vicar did it, because all of these verses kind of hang on one another. They cling to one another. We don't want to we don't want to get a distorted view by looking at them one verse at a time. But uh, verse thirteen, um, you know, talks about planning for the future, and this is a very very real situation that many people find themselves in. When uh, Before we went to the break, Pastor, I, I gave you a little bit of uh, food for thought. Um, I know you've had situations where people come to you for advice, uh, members of the church, maybe members of your family. They're thinking of moving. They're thinking of relocating. Um, they're, they're thinking of uh, going far away to college. Uh, they have a uh, boyfriend or girlfriend or potential boyfriend or girlfriend that is moving should should i stay or should i go who did you say saying that the clash the clash okay this is this is a very real thing where a lot of people find themselves in and my experience is people often think only about the worldly benefits like james 4:13 rather than how this will impact my life spiritually, how this will impact my family spiritually. Um, your reflection on that? No, I think it's true. That's the way many people think. Um, even moving to you know rural Montana. In North Dakota, we had a, a family who lived in rural Montana, and uh, you know, they'd come to church and they visited family every once in a while, and they'd say, oh, we just miss going to church, but there's none within a two-hour drive of where we live. Well, then you probably shouldn't live there, right? You, you should consider um, your faith and how it's going to be fed first and foremost above all the other things because um, your eternity depends on it, right? Where are you going to be world without end, versus how long are you going to live in Toledo, right? Um, one of these things is much more important, both in terms of its time and also in terms of its benefit to you. And so you shouldn't make these decisions without considering where you're going to go to church and what your faith, how your faith is going to be fed. I think that's, I think that's well said, and that's really what I was fishing for here. Um, a lot of times we'll have people come in and they've already made the decision to move. Uh, and and maybe maybe it's a decision that they, they really couldn't uh, avoid. They had no choice. You know, a family member who's sick and they need them to come and attend to them, something like that. But they'll come in and say, Pastor, I want a church just like Good Shepherd in such and such. Uh, Pawtucket, uh, Kentucky. Uh, I don't know if there even is such a town. I just made that up. Lone uh, Stump, yeah, Montana. Bu Buzzard's Breath, Montana. Um, one of the Pittsburgh Steelers, whenever he was introduced on Monday Night Football, that's where he always said he was from. Buzzard's Breath, Montana. Jack Lambert. Uh, but anyway, um, the decision's already been made. And sometimes these kind, of dis these kind of things need to be talked about and discussed before the decision is made. I know sometimes when you're offered an opportunity at work, uh, promotion, they want you to move, all these kind of things, sometimes you don't have much time. But I would encourage people, if you find yourself in these kind of situations, call up your pastor. He would love to have this conversation with you, help you sort through some of the things. Not, he's not going to make a decision for you. Um, that's not his job. 
but to help you think about decisions. Uh, what if you're gonna if you're gonna move to a big city? Say you're gonna move to Phoenix. Well, is there a part of Phoenix that has more confessional Lutheran congregations in than another part of Phoenix? That may make a difference where you move, where you live, um, where your kids go to school, all these kind of things. Uh, your pastor can help you with that. He can help sort this out. And uh, these, are, these are really, really big decisions. And as James is teaching us here under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, these are the kind of decisions that need to be made with much prayer, with much diligence, with seeking counsel from your pastor and from God's word. What is God's will? I know what my will is. You know, I want to make more money. If I want to make more money, I got to move. I got to get promoted. I got to, you know, whatever. Um, that's not always the most helpful and most beneficial motivation. Verse 14, Pastor. Um, well, let me read 13 and 14 together. Come now, you who say today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and make uh, and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are, you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. You do not know what tomorrow will bring. Uh, Pastor, is that good news or bad news? Um, well, I guess it depends, right? Um, it's uh, unsettling news to us. But for us as Christians, we kind of know that our lives are in God's care and in his uh, watchfulness. And so we're aware of that. But we can't think that um, all the plans and the details that we work out for ourselves are necessarily going to come to fruition because uh, the world has fallen and broken, because God is uh, our Lord of life and decides how long we live. And many of these things then are outside of our control. And so as we go through our life, we need to trust in our Lord uh, that he will be with us and that he will work things out as is fit according to his will. When people have their life as their idol, the mention of our mortality uh, is absolutely shattering. When people build their life around the idolatry of self or the idolatry of things to support self. Being reminded of the fact that we are mortal is, uh, is an absolute stunner, an absolute shock. Pastor, why do we need that? Why do we need that law to remind us that we are flesh we are mortal well it helps us to look to what's really truly important which are not the things of this world um who you know who's who's president or how much money is in your retirement account or um, uh, what's your job or your boss or any of those things those things are secondary uh following behind what's most important which is actually faith in our lord jesus christ who has conquered this world and overcome it and uh, promises to lead us out of this world and into the world that is to come, where we will live face-to-face -face with God, world without end. It is, uh, it is a subtle reminder 
when we come into the divine service and we confess our sins, doesn't matter which divine service, but we confess our sins. And you know, if you're if you're using uh, setting three in LSB, I, a poor miserable sinner, confess unto thee all my sins and iniquities with which I have ever offended thee, and justly deserve thy temporal and eternal punishment. That is a reminder of our mortality right there. We don't come out and say, hey, I'm a sinner and I'm going to die. But that's, in a sense, what we're saying, isn't it, Pastor? Yeah. We, we, we have that. The wages of sin is death. And the shock is then immediately tempered, immediately taken, more than tempered, taken away by the comforting news of the gospel. Yes, you're going to die, but your sins are forgiven. You're going to spend eternity with Christ. Jesus bled and died for that, for you. We need this reminder every day. That's why we need to be in God's house on a regular basis. That's why we need to confess our sins corporately in the divine service, and when we have a particular sin that is weighing us down, we need to do that individually with the pastor. We need this reminder that we're mortal, and that God knows it, and he did something about it in the person and work of Jesus Christ. When we get into this discussion, I oftentimes think of Psalm 39. And I turned, I turned Vicar, uh, gave him a little note to uh, turn to, pay, uh, to Psalm 39. Uh, Vicar, I want you to read verses 4 through 6. But if you want to read more, um, it, is, it is a marvelous psalm that I think speaks to this issue. O Lord, make me know my end, and what is the measure of my days. Let me know how fleeting I am. Behold, you have made my days a few handbreadths, and my lifetime is as nothing before you. Surely all mankind stands as a mere breath. Surely a man goes about as a shadow. Surely for nothing they are in turmoil. Man heaps up wealth and does not know who will gather. Wow. Um... It is a gift when God reminds us that we are mortal. And I believe that Hebrew word that uh, the ESV translates breath can also be translated mist. So Pastor James not only knows the, the teachings of Jesus very well because he sat at his feet, but Pastor James also knows his Old Testament script, what we would call the Old Testament scriptures, Psalm 39. Comments on that little passage there that uh, that uh, Vicar read? No, I think uh, just to build on what we're saying too, I think it's probably worthwhile for us to think about the life that is to come a little bit more as well, to realize what we are promised through our Lord Jesus Christ in eternal life, what it is going to amount to. Uh, I think here in the United States, there's a lot of Gnostic influence of separating the body and the soul forever. Uh, a lot of false teachings about what eternity is going to be. You know, we're going to be spirits with a glass floor. We're going to be watching everybody down below while we play our harps. Um, things like that. We're going to live on in people's hearts. And the beauty that Scripture actually teaches is much, much more than that. It is a 
uh, a type of riches and wealth that nothing in this world can compare to. And when we realize that, it's not just the law that needs to beat us down, then we also hear the gospel and the promise of what is ahead. And that, uh, I think, does a lot to change our hearts in this way as well. We have, we have many wonderful, wonderful hymns that have been written throughout history that teach us both the futility of clinging too tightly to the things of this world, what is the world to be? It's the first one that comes to my mind. And the, the never-ending riches that God has poured out to us in the gospel. And the first one that comes to my mind is Jesus' priceless treasure. Um, to sing those two hymns Back to back. Oh, I just get shivers up my spine thinking about it. Uh, what a marvelous testimony to exactly what James is teaching us here in these uh, latter verses of chapter 4. We've got to take a break. We'll be back in just a moment. Don't change that dial. Equipping the Saints. You are listening to KNNALP 95.7 FM, Lincoln, Nebraska. Welcome back to Equipping the Saints. Pastor Poppy, Pastor Moline, Vicar Kirstein. We serve the Saints at Good Shepherd Lutheran Church in Lincoln. Come join us for worship, 3825 Wildbriar Lane in South Lincoln, just uh, just a bit north of 40th and Old Cheney. We uh, gather for divine service Sunday morning at 8 and 1030 with Sunday school for all ages in between and Wednesday evening divine service year-round at 630. We'd love to have you join us. Uh, we're looking at James 4, specifically 13 through 17. And uh, this section I, uh, I thought deserved an entire episode. This is episode 61, by the way. Um, the sin of materialism, the sin of worldliness that uh, attacks us and teaches us that we need to make our own plans. We need to take care of number one because if we don't take care of number one, who will? And while there is some truth to this, uh, God blesses hard work. God blesses a good planner. God blesses uh, someone who uh, cares about the land and cares about his vocations and all these things. Uh, these can easily turn into our God. I asked Vicar a question during the break, and I got to tell you, I didn't get the answer that I was expecting. Uh, I'm a boomer. I'm reminded that I'm a boomer all the time. And that all the problems in the world are because of all the boomers. And I hear it. I hear it all the time. I, I hear it from uh, Pastor Moline, especially. I hear it on social media. I, hear, I see it everywhere. All the problems are boomer problems. Okay, so I freely admit it. I'm a boomer. I've been trying to figure out over the last several years what exactly this means, that I'm a boomer. Well, apparently, as a boomer... Um, I am selfish and greedy and a lover of material things, and my selfishness and my greed and my love of material things has permeated all of society and has ruined society because of that. 
and uh, all I care about is myself, and all I care about is my toys. And how am I doing, Pastor? I don't know when I've said those specific things, but because those are across the board, I think. Yes, <laughs> those are, and I, I'm using myself uh, as an example uh, fictitiously here. I don't believe many of those things about myself. That's why it's so hard for me to hear this critique of the boomer generation. Okay, so assuming this is true, I asked Vicar, and w- what technically are you, your generation called? What what are you? Generation Y, generation, millennial. Generation Y or millennial. And what are you, Pastor? I am at the very beginning of millennials, right at the end of uh, Gen Z. X. Gen X. Gen yeah. X, yeah. Yeah, well, I, I don't know Sorry. and I don't care. I can't keep it all straight. Uh, but anyway... Uh, I asked Vicar if uh, it appears to me that in rejecting the boomer materialism that maybe there's more spirituality with his generation, but a spirituality kind of apart from God. And uh, Vicar, how did you respond to me? I said, I don't think that's quite right. It seems like the boomer's materialism is the only thing that my generation hasn't rebelled against. And so it's still there. Uh, what about your generation, Pastor? Do you think materialism has been forsaken for a more uh, a pious spirituality, um, you know, move out to the country and uh, live like the Amish? No, I don't think our generation has either. And I think that this is also why you see some of the political movements like socialism taking place now as well because you want the material things without having to put out the effort uh, to get them. So I I think it's ingrained in all of the generations that exist. Yeah, I think it's called the old Adam. Um, And I'm not going to I'm the new Adam, just to be clear. Yeah, I'm I'm uh, I'm not going to say the old Eve because the old Adam encompasses male and female. Uh, But the old Adam lives strong in all of us. And I think the, the boomers are easy marks because uh, while the boomers, like every other generation, um, tend to be very materialistic and in love with their money and their things, uh, there is one thing that I have noticed about boomers. Boomers want to brag about how hard they worked to achieve their stuff. Boomers brag about hard work and rugged individualism. And I worked hard and I earned this money and I saved this. And now look at all my accomplishments and look at all my stuff. And that is something that I have noticed. And you kind of connected some dots for me there, Pastor, because I have noticed in some younger people, and I'm thankful, there's, there's hard work and that ethic is there in all the generations. But I have seen more and more young people that um, really don't want to work all that hard. And I think that that socialism, that worldwide thing, has kind of crept in. I think we've got some of this being encouraged or taught in our universities and our uh, public school system. And I think COVID uh, did not help that, where people were told to stay home and we'll still send you a paycheck. Uh, You drive up and down the streets of Lincoln, uh, you'll see dozens, if not hundreds, of help-wanted signs. Nobody can can get employees to work. So we got all this stuff going on. And 
the bottom line for me is when we read these last verses of James chapter 4, there's nothing new under the sun. There's nothing new under the sun. People want worldliness, however they define that for themselves. And here specifically, it's about work and trade and money. But they want to do it apart from God. And they want to be able to pat themselves on the back. They want to be able to give themselves credit. I did the planning. I did the hard work. I'm going to give thanks to myself, not to God. The, um, the, uh, the old uh, Jimmy Stewart movie, Shenandoah. Uh, there's a great, great scene, and all you have to do is Google uh, Shenandoah YouTube Thanksgiving prayer. And I've used it in sermons. I've used it in speeches before. Uh, it, is, it is emblematic of exactly what James is talking about here. We don't want to admit that we are but a mist. We are but a vapor. We are like the flowers uh, that bloom or the grass that grows and then the heat of the day comes out and withers. Our lives are temporary and we want to live like our life is the most important thing in the history of the world. Pastor, I'm done preaching. What do you think? I think that that's a challenge that all people and their sinful natures deal with, and that's the thing that James is speaking against, right? Our end is not here. Our our final hope is not here. It is in the world to come. Christ will provide it for us, and um, that's where our true riches ought to be built up. I'm thinking again of the words of Christ, right? Do not build up your riches here where moth and rust destroy, but rather uh, build your riches up in heaven where nothing can be taken away from you. And that's really what we ought to be doing. Again, reflecting the words of Christ and what James is preaching. And I think a healthy dose of Ecclesiastes is needed here as well because Ecclesiastes extols the virtues of hard work. Ecclesiastes extols the virtues of an honest day's work, which brings an honest day's pay, which brings a good night's sleep, which keeps you tired so you can't chase after all kinds of sinful stuff. Um, th there, is, there is such great wisdom in the book of Ecclesiastes. And the stuff that we think is so darn important is ultimately vanity of vanities, uh, if I want to uh, look at the King James like Vicar does, or if I look at the ESV, meaningless, meaningless. We're grasping for things. It's like getting a firm grip on jello, and it runs right through our fingers. James 14 says, Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Pastor, yes, what, pastor. Is your, what is your life? What is my life? What is life? <laughs> That's a, a broad question, right? But in um, this context, in this context, it's temporary, um, uh, meaning your life in this sinful world is temporary, and the greater thing uh, that you will be is yet to come. The um, the real you uh, that you will be will be known on the last day when you're resurrected to live with God forever, when you get to see Him face for face to face. Um, 
this life, it's not unimportant. I don't want to say that, right? Because it is molding us it's or a, it's shaping us. It's a creation us of God. It can't be faith. unimportant. But in a sense, it's like we're not quite born yet, and we won't be until we, uh, until we die and enter the world that is to come. And then who we've been shaped to be and who we've grown to be in this world will come to its fullness and completion. And so that's the thing that we look forward to. We know neither the day nor the hour, right? Uh, you know, either one of us could die today. Uh, it's not in our control, but it'll come to us someday. And that's then when we'll enter the fullness of what God has in mind for us. I don't know if I'm making any sense. I no, I, I like that's I'd a like very broad just, question. What yeah, is life? <laughs> kind of, kind of, Vicar, you've been you've been soaking up everything that we've been talking about here. Your thoughts on uh, where we are so far, and especially this "what is life" question. I think one of the biggest idols that we have in our land and maybe even in our church, is this idea of self-determination. Whatever you set your mind to, whatever you want to do, those are the most important things, and you can pursue those, and that's what your life is. You can, do, you can will it into happening. You can right. will it into being. If you just try hard enough, you can do anything and go out and get what you want. That's how life is oriented. And here in these verses, what is your life? It could be taken from you in a moment. You are just a mist. Who are you to boast in what you are going to do? And even, will you make a profit? That's the boast. It's like, not only are we going to go there, but we're going to succeed as we go there. You know that for sure. You're so certain. Who is your God? Is not the Lord in charge of these things? But here we are making our own plans, pursuing them, thinking that we are wise, knowing what to do. But the Lord knows. The Lord knows, and he's in control of all things. That's, that's good. That's well said, Vicar. We've got four giant big trees that are dead in our backyard. We are uh, in the process of taking them down. And my wife and I were sitting out on the back patio, lamenting the fact that our trees are dead, lamenting the fact that the traffic is now louder, and uh, you know, what are we going to do after these trees come down? And I said, well, I think we should plant new trees. And my wife says, we're almost 65 years old. We're not going to get anything out of those trees. And I looked at her and I said, you don't plant a tree for yourself. You plant it for the next generation. And I don't know if it's apocryphal. You know, Luther is supposedly quoted as saying, if you knew today was your last day on earth, what would you do? And he says, I would plant an apple tree. That sounds like something made up, but it's not bad. It's not all about yourself. It's about God. It's about what he has done for us, redeeming us with the bloody death and glorious resurrection of Jesus and faith toward God and love toward one another. Oh, we got to take a break. Equipping the Saints, James 4. We'll be back. You are listening to KNNALP 95.7 FM, Lincoln, Nebraska. Thank you. 
Welcome back to Equipping the Saints. Pastor Poppy, Pastor Moline, Vicar Kirstein. We serve the Saints at Good Shepherd Lutheran Church in Lincoln, Nebraska. Thanks for tuning in. This is episode 61 of Equipping the Saints. The last, uh, oh, 20 or so episodes, we've been working our way through the book of James. You can find all of the uh, back episodes as well as hundreds of other programs on our uh, church podcast site, KNNA Theological Programming, whichever uh, your favorite podcaster is, type it in and you'll find it and uh, just download all of them that you want to or listen on demand and we uh, greatly appreciate your feedback. We're finishing up James chapter 4 in this particular episode and uh, it is a marvelous little section. Vicar, I'm going to ask you one more time. James 4, 13 to 17. Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town, and spend a year there, and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are mist that appears for a little time, and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. Okay, we've got these uh, last three verses that we need to finish up. I think we've set the stage very, very well. Uh, James is warning us against uh, being friends with the world, making plans apart from God's will for our life. How do we know what God's will is for our life? Well, we read the scriptures. We, uh, we know who we are in Christ Jesus. We are poor, miserable sinners redeemed by the blood of the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ. We're forgiven. We're set free. I think many times people want to open up the scriptures and find some chapter and verse that says exactly how you should live your life, exactly what move you should make, exactly what decision you should make. Pastor Moline is a, um, is a great one for repeating the phrase, there is much freedom. There is much freedom. We don't want to abuse those freedoms or misuse those freedoms, but God loves us enough. He's given us much freedom in uh, some of the details in how we live out our life. Pastor, instead of making plans apart from God, verse 15 says, instead you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or do that. I think that's wise. I think that's important. Jesus teaches us to pray, thy will be done. In the Garden of Gethsemane, he says, not my will, but thy will be done, as he uh, submits to go to the cross. My experience is that when people say that kind of stuff now, uh, it's almost kind of a pious platitude. doesn't really mean anything. Um, oh, yeah, 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 I, I'm going to do that, uh, God willing. Um, yeah, oh, Vicar, you're having a party? Yeah, I'll be there, God willing. Um, and it's almost kind of a throwaway line. And to me, it seems like this very, very aspect of the Christian faith, we treat very cavalierly. What do you think? I'm sure we do, um, and yet uh, it is... By doing this, it is putting us in the proper perspective, right? That we are the creatures and God is the creator. That we are 
uh, not infinite in our ability and power, but God is, and that he is in charge of much of the things and that we are not. And uh, so whether we use the words correctly or wrongly, that's more a testimony about our sinful nature than it is about what the truth of what James is saying is. James is absolutely correct. Um, God is the Lord of all and the Lord of your life, if you want to use that kind of terminology. And uh, as a result, saying that, whether you mean it or not, is the truth. (laughs) And, um, you know, I'll go home today after work uh, if the Lord wishes it. And he might not wish it, and I might, you know, get uh, run over by Pastor Poppy's pickup truck on the way out. Um, It's outside of my control. And so don't use it as just a pious platitude, but when you say it, mean it, and think about what, what you actually are confessing as the truth with those words, because that's the important part. The uh, Putting it in the context here of James 4, um, I may go to this city for a year or so and work there for a year or so, and it may be the Lord's will that I go broke instead of making a profit because I need to be humbled or I need to have my idol of money destroyed. And that's the kind of thing I think many times um, it's either a pious platitude or we don't really want God's will because we've already figured out God's will for ourselves. I, th- I think it's a pious platitude because, um, I, <laughs> this is going to sound really harsh, Uh, I think it's because, sadly, we're not in the Word as much as we ought to be, and so uh, we're just saying it in a nonsensical way. But if uh, we are in God's Word as much as possible, if we go to church as much as possible, and if the Holy Spirit in those things is working faith in us that is uh, ever learning and growing, then uh, we, when we say it, we actually mean it. But um, lots of times we don't, and that's our sinful nature. Amen. Uh, Vicar, in verse 16... Uh, James writes, as it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. Well, we know that boasting in and of itself isn't evil because the Apostle Paul tells us that if we're going to boast, boast in the Lord. So what kind of boasting is James specifically singling out here uh, to the point where he calls it downright evil? I think it's pride. Pride in one's own self and pride in one one's own accomplishments. To boast in that way sets yourself up above God, and so you're not you're not seeing as the good things that come to your life as being from God. They just come from your own hard work, through your own skill, economic prowess, your abilities. I think that's I think that's uh, spot on, and uh, arrogance, pride, hubris—all these things go together. And uh, as I think back on uh, some of the uh, boomer critique that I mentioned earlier, uh, I think that's really what is so offensive to some of the other generations: is uh, this boasting, this prideful arrogance. Uh, oh, you. Sonny, uh, let me tell you about all the things I have accomplished in my lifetime. 
and um, with with no reference to God being the giver of all good gifts or God giving me the intelligence to to do this or that. Uh, I think that's really where it comes down, and I think that's probably a, a pretty valid critique. And it would be a critique of anyone, but I think that's a pretty valid critique as I look at my particular generation. Do you think that's fair, Pastor? Uh, yeah, that's probably a part of it. Whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him is sin. Now, this is true in general. Uh, these uh, sins of omission, specifically in this context, what's James talking about, Pastor? Well, again, um, one can't help but think of all those other places we talked about earlier in the Gospel of Luke, right? So the rich man and Lazarus, the rich man who walked right over the top of Lazarus laying in his front door and never did anything to care for him, to feed him, to soothe his wounds, but instead was completely consumed with himself. Uh, or the the man who got the uh, big crop and is going to tear down his old barns and build bigger ones so that he can eat and drink and live a life of leisure, but shows no compassion for the people that are around him. If you know what is right, that God desires you to have mercy on the people he places into your life, then you ought to do it. And if you are a Christian and you believe God's word, then you do do it. Okay. How would we, how would we apply that to all oh, some of the situations that are going on in our world today? I don't want to wax political here, but um, you know, as we record this, we are pretty much smack dab in the middle of pride month and we know that many people in our nation are uh, boasting arrogantly about their deviant sexuality there has been a massive massive push in the last three or four years to take uh, the evils of genital mutilation and transgenderism into the mainstream of society uh, abortion continues um, on demand, uh, some states have uh, curtailed it a bit, but it still it still happens. Uh, we have same sex marriage that is uh, going on everywhere. Um, many states even condoning it. We have polygamy and polyamory that is on the rise. Uh, right here in Lincoln, we have uh, a new casino that uh, sports gambling is now allowed right here in Lincoln, Nebraska. Uh, we sin, sin is everywhere. What is a Christian to do with the thought of so whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. How do we apply those words in light of the way our world is? Well, um, first, a Christian looks at themselves, sees their own sin and repents and uh, uh, seeks the forgiveness of Christ, one on the cross. Next, the Christian confesses the truth, not only about their sin we just spoke about, but also uh, what God's word says uh, to their family, to their friends, to the people they work with. Uh, and uh, the people learn that truth by being at church and hearing God's word and uh, studying it and learning what the truth is. And so 
in those ways, that's what I would say the Christian ought to do to begin with, right? So, uh, without that, without that foundation, really nothing else matters, right? <laughs> and, and a part of that then is uh, when the opportunities present themselves uh, to speak against these things or to stand up for the truth of God's word, the Christian ought to take advantage of those opportunities uh, to the best of their ability, and um, knowing that uh, it's not up to them to change the world, but that Christ is the Lord of the world and that their confession that he is that and that his truth is the truth, um, that God works in that and through that. To uh, well said, to quote Ralph Price, there are there is no playbook for all the details of how to live the Christian life, but there are opportunities. And we pray that God would give us opportunities to make the good confession whether that be in the workplace at home with our brothers and sisters in christ at church uh, our neighbors our friends uh, many times those opportunities are there and we fail to take advantage of them and we need to confess that sin but pray that god would give us more opportunities the strength the courage and the conviction to speak god's word in its truth and purity well there you have it that's James chapter 4, episode 61 is concluded. We'll be back again soon. Thank you for tuning in to Equipping the Saints. For Pastor Moline and Vicar Kirstein, I'm Pastor Poppy. We'll see you again soon. You are listening to KNNALP 95.7 FM, Lincoln, Nebraska.